This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping here at the top because I have some exciting news. If you're in India and you want to listen to the Value Investor Podcast or the Market Edge, which is actually goes by Tracy Reinick's Market Edge over in India. We have now launched on a new podcast platform there, the Ghana. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. I may not be, but it's the big platform. You all know it if you're in India. It's the Spotify of India. You have to search for us under the podcast category. It's right up there on the top of the page, but you can now get us and subscribe while in India. So be sure to do that so you can get us the easiest way. And for everybody else who hasn't subscribed here in the US or Europe or wherever else you may be, Australia, you can also get us on Spotify. So make sure you're subscribing over there to get us every week. Okay, now that we're done with that, we can launch into this week's podcast. So I saw a tweet this week that was interesting. It claimed that large cap value stocks were underperforming the large cap growth by the most in 40 years. That's a lot, because that even includes the dot-com era, where yes, large cap growth outperformed value for sure in the late 1990s, but this even surpasses that apparently. So they took a look at the iShares Russell 1000 value ETF, which is ticker IWD, and they looked at the growth ETF, ticker IWF. And they kind of compared what was going on with the performance of both and um, basically came to this conclusion that things are really bad for value right now. But I wanted to take a little bit deeper dive into why that is. What? Why is value lagging so badly right now? Well, we kind of know why, right? Because big cap tech is off to the races and no, almost no value stock is going to compete with that. But there's some other reasons why too. So just as an aside, these ETFs invest in large and mid cap companies to get to the thousand. So it's, um, it's all the hot areas in both of them, but obviously growth has been much hotter. But how much hotter? A lot hotter. When I actually drilled down to see what the actual returns look like, it's a little shocking, right? Even though they said it was the most in 40 years, it's still shocking to see the numbers. So the iShares Russell Value ETF, the IWD, the average annual return for the last year, this is just one year, is actually down 8.95%. So that includes the coronavirus sell-off, obviously, um, and it hasn't totally recovered to break out to new highs at all. So still down 8.95%. Over the three-year time period, it gets a little bit better. It's up, but just 1.68%. So that's, that's pretty bad return right there, 1.68. I could get better just owning some dividend stocks, right? So that's not that good. Five years, it improves again a little bit better, 4.48%. So that's average annual return. And then 10 years, we see a big improvement. So 10 years going back to 2010, which is coming out of the Great Recession, right? That's when value stocks were uh, king or doing better at least. And everybody was trying to get into the value then. So 10-year return is 10.21. 
So that's not too shabby at all. If I could do 10.2 average annual return, I'd be doing pretty well with my portfolio over the long period of time. So that's not so bad. But then switching to growth, so switching to the IWF returns, well, we already know the one year is much better. It's not in the decline, it's actually up 22.99% for just the one year with the coronavirus sell-off included in there. So it wiped out and rebounded that whole loss and is now up 22.99% over the prior year. Three years, averaging 18.76, that's still crazy high. Five years, 15.67, still really high and great. 10 years, 17.01. So 10 years, 17.01 for growth, 10 years for value, 10.2. Neither one is shabby, both double digits. That's excellent. But if you're doing 17 average annual over 10 years, you're gonna get pretty rich. So this is why everybody still is buying the growth story, still buying in into the growth. And when you see this difference, even just over the last three years, so up 1.68 if I'm owning those value, which I own value stocks. I don't own this these particular ETFs, but I own some small cap value ETFs. And I'm sure it's it's about this bad for the smalls, maybe even worse, actually. And then you get the three years with the growth of 18.76. And it's easy to just say, I'm done. I'm done with the value. I'm out of this. That's absurd. And run over and chase the growth, right? Because it's been going on for 10 years. 17.01 average annual return for 10 years. Well, I don't want to miss out anymore. So I'm just going to sell out and I'm going to rush over there. But before you do that, you might want to know what's in these particular ETFs and why one is outperforming so, so much. So I took a look at the top 10 holdings in both of these to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. And in we'll start with the value. So in the value, the IWD, the top 10 holdings are 17% of the entire portfolio. So that's a decent chunk for just the top 10. And what are those? They're all, um, no, no one stock is a huge amount of the portfolio, which I was surprised at. But the biggest holding is Berkshire's B shares at 2.46% of the entire portfolio. Then you had Johnson & Johnson at 2.27%. Then you had JP Morgan at 2%. Then there's Intel at 1.79%. Verizon is number five at one6 AT&T at 1.5, Disney is at 1.4, Cisco at 1.4, Exxon 1.3, and then Bank of America rounds it out also at 1.3. So we have two big banks, a um, couple beaten down tech guys left over from the tech titans of the late 90s that haven't broken out this time, Intel and Cisco. We have Disney beaten down because its parks aren't open and it can't launch any movies. And then we have Verizon AT&T in there, plus a few medical, or at least one medical, Johnson & Johnson. And then the big conglomerate, Berkshire. So as you can see with those stocks, many of them you probably don't own, or maybe some of you are still patient and in a couple of these, especially the Berkshire shares. But 
these are the stocks out of favor. That's why they're the values, right? Um, and so you can see, because they have lagged, why the entire portfolio, if this is 17%, is lagging. Then I took a look at the top 10 holdings for IWF. And these top 10 holdings are 43.9% of the portfolio, almost 50% in just 10 shares. So 10 companies, almost 50%, that's the difference, right? You're not gonna be surprised really, I don't think, with what's on here. Um, but the biggest holding is outsized. It's much bigger than the others. Microsoft at 10.4%. That's pretty big. You're getting 10% of the portfolio in Microsoft if you buy this ETF. Apple's just rounding right up there, 10.19. So they're both about the same. So between Microsoft and Apple, that's 20% of the total portfolio. So keep that in mind if you're buying this ETF and any ETF, investigate what they own because you might, you might not be getting what you think you are. So you thought you'd be getting big cap growth, you are here, but you're basically owning a huge chunk of these really huge mega cap growth companies. Um, and maybe you want that. Um, number three, Amazon, 7.99. Facebook, 3.2. Google with the L ticker, 2.26. Visa at 2.23. Google without the L is at 2.2. MasterCard is at 1.8, United Health Group at 1.6, and then NVIDIA rounding out the top 10 at 1.5. So even just keeping in like Google, it's almost 5% almost of the portfolio right there. So you have FANG, but no Netflix on here, which is interesting. No Netflix, so FANG minus Netflix plus Microsoft is the basic huge chunk of the portfolio for this one. And again, maybe you want to own those. Maybe you never bought any of those. And now with, you know, the share prices where they are, you feel like you can't get in any of them, even doing the uh, partial shares that you can do now, um, like Schwab and places. So instead, you could buy an ETF that owns a big percentage of all of these. That's not a bad plan. But another plan you can do because you're seeing the outside growth in the growth stocks versus the value is you can own both of these ETFs. You don't have to own one versus the other. There's that myth out there, which I've said over and over again, that if you're a value investor, you have to stay loyal to value. That's not true. We see it even with Warren Buffett, the greatest value investor of all time. What does he own? He owns Amazon in there. Of course, it was one of his lieutenants that bought it, not him. And then he had to try to justify why they considered it a value, right? And that they weren't abandoning value. But even one of his lieutenants said, forget this. It's a great company. I feel like there's some value here at this level and I'm buying it. And he did. So um, you don't have to do that. You don't have to stay loyal to just value. You can have diversity in your portfolio, which is a good thing because in times when value is outperforming, then growth will not, and vice versa. Right now, we're in this growth type of bull market, secular bull market when growth dominates, but it won't forever. And we can even see that in the 10-year returns again, value still at 10.2% uh, 10 .2 average annual returns, 
versus that 17% for growth fueled by the last couple of years um, in growth more so. Um, and then the values returns were fueled by the years right after the Great Recession. So know what you own before you go to chase the performance as well. So before you just dive in because of the outperformance, know that you're going to get these 10 holdings are 43%. Also look beyond the one to three year time horizon. And I know it's really hard to do. And we all look at the performance metrics um, on the ETFs and we look at them when we're picking things for our 401ks or our IRAs to put it in and we go, wow, it's up 29% in the last year. I'm going to buy that one. This is just human nature. It's really, really hard to buy the beaten down stocks or ETFs for that matter, especially right now where the other side of the coin is outperforming so much more dramatically. You feel like you're being left behind. And I feel like that all the time with a lot of my value stocks. Like I said, I own the small cap value ETFs and they have gone nowhere. I think they're still in the red right now for the year, like I said, um, but it's really hard to add more money to those when they're going nowhere, when we see the growth names just skyrocketing and we're like, oh, it's so easy. We can just put our money into Tesla or Apple or these ETFs and it's going to go up, up, up all the time. So why even bother with value, right? But the game will change eventually and it'll go the other way. So value and when it's cheap value, when it's going nowhere is actually when you want to buy. So consider this a time to add to your positions, add in those beaten down ETFs add in your beaten down value stocks as long as the fundamentals are still good there, as long as the business is still doing what you want it to do. And it's just out of favor. It's just, um, you know, not in the chosen tech area or, you know, cannabis or, um, you know, certain hot retailers. So I'm not telling you to pick you know, the beaten down companies that are having real issues during this pandemic time, um, even like including the airlines or things like that. I'm telling you to pick the ones that aren't really having any issues, but they're still out of favor or just people are like, eh, I don't like the banks and they may have issues coming forward. So I'm not getting in them because they may or, oh, Disney still has these issues, but Disney won't have it for forever. So I took a look at Disney and their PE right now is 74 because those earnings have been cut so dramatically. But that doesn't mean they're not a value stock right here. I also took a look at a few other names on this list. Um, Bank of America, I've talked about them many times on the show, especially when I'm covering Warren Buffett. But Bank of America piece at 16, that's not altogether that cheap for some of the banks, but again, some of their earnings have been cut here too. So um, as far as the big banks go, they are fairly attractive here. I took a look at Cisco because they just beat on earnings, but the shares sold off hard because they're in an area that's not the glamorous cloud area right now and or software or I don't know, you can name a whole bunch of semiconductors, you know. Um, so everybody's ditched out of Cisco, but they're trading at 13 and a half times earnings now, a genuine value stock on a PE level. 
And so it's worth it to take a look at some of these beaten down stocks and ask if the story is still good, if you're getting a dividend. Keep that in mind, too, about some of these stocks. The dividend yields can help you uh, stay consistent or stay dedicated or loyal, I should say, during the dark times. On years where the stock doesn't really go anywhere, at least you can kind of console yourself with some of these that you're getting a dividend if they're paying one. Um, so that is some of my advice for some of the beaten down value stocks. Try to get one that does pay a dividend. You'll feel better. Even if it's 2 3%, maybe you can get one that's 4 to 5 That's even better because those dividends, history has shown, really do add up. And especially if the stock's going sideways for a while, you're just basically, if you're reinvesting the dividend, you're just like adding more shares while the shares are cheap. And then when you finally see the turnaround and the stock comes back in favor, then you um, really see the dynamic of that compounding by reinvesting the dividends. So pay attention to the dividends on those as well. Interestingly, on most of the top 10 holdings in IWF, Several of them don't pay any dividend. There's a couple that do. And then because the shares have soared so high, the dividend yields are getting a little paltry on some of these. They're even like under 1% now on the dividend. And so you're not in those for the dividend for obvious reasons, but it's not it's not helping you quite as much as what, you know, two, three, four, or 5% dividend yield can really do. That can make up the bulk of your gains over a number of years if you allow it to compound. So all is not doom and gloom. That's where I'll leave you with on this podcast. Uh, value isn't, isn't totally over. It will rise again. But as I said, if you look at these returns and you can't stand to be in um, an ETF that's down 9% again this year, <laughs> over the last year, as these this big cap ETF is, then split up your money, invest in both, get the best of both worlds, get some you know big gains while you can, and then when the tide switches, you will have exposure in the other area that's going to get hot eventually, and um, you can ride out some of the downturn that's going to happen in the growth stocks. But as we've seen, it can take a number of years for growth to cool off and value to reassert itself. We never know when it's going to happen. Um, it's only been, let me look at those five-year returns again. Well, I would say over the last five years, that's when growth has been totally dominant because you can see it in these numbers. It's dominant by over 10% over the last five years. So we've got at least five years in on this trend. We don't know how much longer, but... Um, it's good to be on both teams instead of just one. So let me recap some of the tickers I talked about on this episode. So these ETFs are um, the value one is IWD. These are the large cap iShares Russell 1000 value ETF. And the growth Russell 1000 growth ETF from iShares is IWF as in Frank. And then we I talked briefly there about Disney DIS, Bank of America is BAC again, Cisco is CSCO, and then you know most of the tickers of all the other ones I, I mentioned, especially in the growth, the growth area. You might not know United Health Group, UNH is the ticker there. 
and um, Visa, MasterCard. I'm hoping you know those, but those are uh, Visa V and MasterCard MA. So again, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. These are the dog days of summer, so uh, we're just kind of waiting for the fall to come and see what happens with these markets. And I'm always looking for value stocks because they are out there. So be sure to subscribe somewhere. As I said in the beginning of the show, we are on Spotify. You can also get us on Apple Podcasts. But be sure to get us someplace, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.